So glad to have you with us this week on the show. I am very excited to introduce you to Jennifer Woodward, a FDNP, Functional Diagnostic Nutrition Practitioner, and she is sharing her insights, her firsthand experience, but also in working with private clients and helping them navigate perimenopause and the transition to menopause with less physical and emotional frustration through her work in functional therapy. So let's learn how we can naturally support our bodies with less stress to have an easier transition. For the ladies in the house and the men who love us, this one's for you. Thanks so much for tuning in. Living in a stressful world doesn't mean you have to give up on happiness. Instead, you can shift your perspective of stress and discover how to live your life in flow. Welcome to Happified. I'm your host, Susie Vine. Join me for inspiration and interviews with folks who are shining their light in the world in the areas of positive mindset, health, and wellness. I'm so happy to have you here. Welcome back. I am so happy to have you with us this week on the show for what I know is going to be a really important conversation. Ladies, be sure you're tuning in. The men who love them or just want to have a little bit of context, you're all going to want to be tuned in for my conversation today with Jennifer Woodward. Jennifer holds a master's of science in integrative nutrition and is a certified functional diagnostic nutrition practitioner and board certified functional wellness coach. She's all about the big picture and drilling in on the details. Jennifer is the executive director of the Association of Functional Diagnostic Nutrition Professionals, where she is mentored by course creator Reed Davis. You might recall him from an earlier episode. And she's also the creator of the acclaimed FDN Business School, and she loves getting to help new FDNs thrive professionally. And we need these ambassadors out in the world who are cracking the code to help us feel better. Jennifer was recently a quarter-long guest lecturer in a graduate endocrinology at Parker University and also completed a three-month-long internship with Dr. Kieran Dunstan, getting hands-on training in women's hormones, a little peek into what we'll be diving into today. And she loves to be active with her husband and there for kids. Jennifer, thank you so much for carving out time to join me. I know it's a busy day around the house, so thanks for hopping <laughs> online with me. Hey, Susie. I'm so excited to be here. I've really been looking forward to this. Thanks for having me. And I think that all of the women who are listening in or watching can relate to being really busy. I think that your brief bio gives us just a little glimmer of how busy you've been in your career. And with four kids, we can only imagine. So how did you come to this space? How did you make space to create this whole career, this focus that you've developed and you now love so much? I really do love it. And I think as with most things, especially for a woman, it really did happen organically. So when I first came to this space and was trained as a functional diagnostic nutrition practitioner, man, that's a mouthful. We say FDNP, right? But that's what I am. Going through the course, I was having my own hormone issues. But at the time I was a really young mom. I had four kids in six years. And so after the birth of my third child, my hormones just shut down. They were just, they were in overdrive. So I started having panic attacks. I had terrible insomnia. 
insomnia, couldn't lose my baby weight, my hair was falling out, my digestive disturbances were getting worse, my mood was all over the place, and I was exhausted, I wasn't sleeping, and consequently that just gave me this fear that I wasn't going to be able to take good care of my family. That was my job at the time, my one job, and I felt like because there was something so terribly wrong with my body, I couldn't do what I was supposed to be doing. And I went from truly doctor to doctor. I went from two different general practitioners to an OBGYN, to a chiropractor, to a naturopath. And none of these people could tell me what was going on with my body. I remember getting offered Wellbutrin and Lexapro and birth control. And I thought, oh man, I'm nursing this kid. I feel like I probably shouldn't be on those medications, but what do I know? So elected not to take any of the medication, just push through it. And if anyone's dealt with any of those things, there's really no pushing through it. So one night I remember being on my computer late at night, not being able to sleep again, came across something called functional diagnostic nutrition and realized that, holy moly, there are people out there in the world that can use functional lab work, real data to understand what's going on specifically with people's hormones and digestion. So I'm like, oh man, I'm sold. I I would ask my husband, Hey, can you finance me going back to school again? Because I feel like I need to do this. And he said, data, sure. Yeah. Evidence-based. Yeah. I'm all about that. So that was a genesis of me coming into the space, but then truly my, my clientele, the women I've worked with for the better part of a decade, we're all going through perimenopause at the same time. So things that I was doing in my business at the beginning started to look different and shift a little bit more differently. Now I'm not necessarily dealing with new moms. I'm dealing with women who are going through this life transition. That's very confusing very overwhelming. And it's really become my passion and my specialty to assist women going through that change from their reproductive years into perimenopause and then beyond into menopause. And I think too, so many women are having their families later. So I imagine there's an overlap and that even is more chaotic when you look at that hormonal fluctuation of starting a family going through childbirth and then that perimenopause coming so much more quickly on the heels of it. It used to be a little more defined and separate, and now they can even be sitting on top of each other, which would make it even harder to untangle. And I appreciate too, you went from Western medicine to into some more complementary modalities and chiropractic care and naturopaths are phenomenal for what they do, but not always able to really land on exactly what is the root cause. You can spend a long time in an intake with a great naturopath and address a lot of issues, but you're still taking the time to peel away the onion. You resolve this and reveal this. Whereas when you've got some labs that just shine a spotlight on something, it's, oh, then we will start here. Let's move the needle. It's such a relief to finally say, this is where we can take action. And I've heard that so many times, not only from my own brain going through the course and running these labs on myself and finding so many problems that I would never have known were there, like a parasite or completely tanked adrenal hormones or non-existent estrogen in a 34-year-old, things that you just wouldn't think about. Those were some of my root causes, but running these labs on women, they will sit in my office and I I have woman after woman just literally start crying because they've been told for so long, nothing's wrong with you. Your labs look fine fine. Your thyroid's normal. Come back in 10 years and just eat more fiber after a colonoscopy. So I really empathize deeply with women and their plight when they realize after a while that something's really wrong, but they can't get the answers they need. So being able to use that lab work to suss out and provide some of those answers for women, just, it is so deeply encouraging and satisfying as a fellow woman, frankly, not just as a practitioner. And as someone who's been on the other side of the table, (laughs) to be able to say, yes, it is not, it's not you. It's not in your head. It's this greater picture. 
Yeah. Beautiful. And there's one thing you said, I just thought it was so interesting because it hasn't come up in conversation before, but you brought up the point that women really are having their families a little bit later. We're prioritizing our careers. We just are single a little bit later. And so it's so interesting to think that to put off having a family for a while, most women tend to be on birth control of some way, shape or form. And you know what that does, especially if you're on the pill or an IUD like Marina, it shuts down your ovulation, shuts down your progesterone production in your body. And one of the hallmarks of really crappy perimenopause is extremely low levels of progesterone. When I look at and see these intake forms of woman after woman who have told me I've been on the pill for 10, 20, 30 years, and I realize they're in their forties now, and they've had no progesterone production for three decades. That's really going to increase the symptoms that are starting to manifest during perimenopause. Cool correlation there, Susie. And thank you for bringing that up too, because I think, and as someone who was on birth control for decades, <laughs> we'll yeah. say it's become default for gynecologists. If you have irregular cycles, if you're putting off starting a family for whatever reason, it's the easy go-to and that's great. But we, we know some of the short-term complications or adverse effects. We don't know the long-term impacts. And so as you're talking about low estrogen, no progesterone, creation in your body. How do those play together? Because I think in general, we think women have estrogen and we don't think about progesterone unless we're familiar with the ingredients of the birth control pill. Yeah. And there's two kind of important distinctions there. One, ladies, if you were on the birth control pill, doctors will tell you they're hormones, but they're actually not hormones. They're synthetic hormones. They're lab created hormones. So your body naturally has three estrogens, estrone, E1, estradiol, E2, an estriol E3. So that's a suite of these beautiful estrogens that your body creates. But when we look at the birth control pill, you're actually getting a fake estrogen. So a laboratory created estrogen that really has a lot more of an effect in the body, similar to a xenoestrogen or an environmental estrogen that can tend to impact the body in a really negative manner. It fits the same cell receptor site as does estradiol, but it works in a much different way. It's stronger. It's more powerful. It can lead to to DNA damage. It can lead to cardiovascular damage. It can lead to neurodegeneration instead of the neuroprotectiveness of estradiol itself. So a lot of really ill effects that we're starting to see now after women have been on the pill for decades. The bummer about the pill also is that it contains a synthetic progest progesterone, which isn't progesterone. It's actually a progesterone DIN, and that chemically looks very similar to an androgen like testosterone. So you've got estrogen here, fake estrogen plus fake essentially testosterone, which can lead to blood sugar imbalance. It can lead to that hair in the, on the face and in the chest and the neck that tends to come along with women who've been on the pill for a really long time time. It can lead to weight gain and mood disturbances. And these are all sorts of things we see on showing up in women who've been on birth control for a really long time. That's just the tip of the iceberg. We also have research showing that there is a strong correlation between taking synthetic estrogen and progestin and developing autoimmune disease later in life, because you've lost those protective effects of natural bioidentical estrogen and natural bioidentical progesterone. That's not to dissuade anyone. Like Susie said, I myself was on the pill for 20 years. I met my husband when I was 17 and was on birth control for a really long time. That's not to say that your body can't bounce back and heal. It's just to give you a framework as to what happened 
has gone on historically in your body and what you can protect your daughters and other women in your life from just let them know that there are options. Exactly. Our body has this extraordinary ability to heal, but it really helps if we know what we're supporting our body and coming back from. So if we understand that we need to be eating the right foods and even having supplements that support this better hormone production again, especially if it's just been taken offline. And that's, I like to take a look at our environment and the way that impacts our hormone production. And a lot of these plastics, plasticizers, synthetic, environmental, estrogenic kind of compounds, again, are putting it even further out of balance. So when you think about our environment, plus if we're on hormonal birth control, it's just adding up in ways that we don't know because we're not given the full information. So it's all context. It's not made to be scary, but (laughs) there's help and hope. There is. And it will, and it gives you, like you said, some context as to why your perimenopausal years, like anywhere from 35 to 45 ish can just feel so overwhelming because, you know, the storm has been brewing in your body with, without you knowing for years. But as Susie said, there are so many ways you can support your body to where you feel better than you did even before you hit those perimenopausal years. So I'm excited to dive into some of those later. And, and you just mentioned, and I think that it's, the topic of a lot of discussion, but mostly anecdotal, like we don't always know the stats, the figures of perimenopause and menopause. So 35 to 45, I think sounds younger than I would have expected to be statistically accurate entering perimenopause. When I talk about it, people look at me and say, no, you don't have to worry about that. (laughs) But I'll be 47 this fall. Obviously, I'm in the window or even on the far side of it to be feeling pretty consistent. I've been lucky to be off hormonal birth control pills for quite some time now. So I feel like my body's had a chance to regulate. And (laughs) a lot of us think, oh, no, I don't need to worry about this yet. That's for later until we're in the thick of it. And as we've already discussed, there are different things that can complicate matters and stress. As everyone knows, I like to see how that can tie in. Stress can impact that too. So how do you see stress have an impact on when we can be expecting or how we can expect ourselves to respond to this season. Yeah. Wonderful. And really stress is the main instigator of early perimenopause and really perimenopause naturally will begin to occur anytime from age 35 to 50. So I will see that happen throughout that 15 year range. The trend is though, that women are entering perimenopause younger than they were, for instance, in in my mother's generation, just one generation ago. Now we're starting to see women even in their thirties, I'll run the Dutch test on women who are just entering into their years where they want to have a baby and their estrogen levels have tanked. They've dropped out. Their progesterone levels are non-existent. And that's really how we're measuring that transition into the perimenopausal years. Perimenopause is according to Dr. Geraldine Pryor, one of my heroes characterized by wildly fluctuating levels of estrogens. They can be really high one day, really low the next day or cycle by cycle, and then declining levels of progesterone. So again, clinically, and we can see that on something like the Dutch test or a salivary hormone panel, less so in blood work or on the functional side, we can get a better idea. We can see that objectively through labs to your point, you know, what really perpetuates that earlier onset of perimenopause. And it is, it is stress ladies. And as Susie said, I have four kids. I run a business. I work for FDN. Like we are a busy family. I am not saying like I am doing this perfectly because I am not, but I am passionate about pulling in stress management principles for myself and clients when I can. Most of us women, especially women who are in this space where you're struggling with this, you're probably a little 
little bit more of a type A, maybe a little bit more of a high performer. You just, you do that GSD sort of thing, the get stuff done, right? (laughs) Uh, (laughs) You are the person that most people go to when they need something done. We see that a lot when our clients. So those are also the women who have a lot of pressure on themselves to look good all the time and perform well at work and with family. So that leaves us with decades, really decades of undersleeping, over-exercising, under-eating, over-stressing. So that kind of like quad principle of truly stressing the body through malnutrition and lack of self-care really shows up as we enter our mid thirties. I always tell people like you could tell when I was in college, man, I remember I would stay up till four in the morning drinking with my friends. Right. And then wake up after two hours, have some coffee, go to the gym. What? And then go to class and then go to work. You can do that when you're 18, 19, 20, 21, but The problem lies in that most women try to perpetuate that, that really hard driving lifestyle into their twenties and thirties. And the body just can't keep up. We do have finite resources. We're very resilient, but if we are pushing against all the resources we have and we're dieting and we're over-exercising, like so many women are, it just starts to slowly shut down the body in the form of hormones. So it robs our body of the raw materials it needs, essential fatty acids, and then also amino acids. So fats and protein in our diet robs us of those raw materials that we need to make a a really beautiful, sweet, or symphony of hormones, right? If we're not sleeping, then we don't have that rest and digest phase of the parasympathetic nervous system kicking in and making new hormones and cleaning out our brain cells and regenerating parts of the body that need regenerating. So you can see it makes sense when you think about it to that logical extent that we have to eat and we have to rest. And likely we haven't been doing that for decades. So it catches up with us in perimenopause. Yes. And then we're full tilt into careers or whatever else is going on. And the last thing we feel like we should give ourselves permission to do is rest. Take a nap in the middle of the day. Are you insane? (laughs) What would the men in the office say, right? Because we've all kind of been sold into this this productivity cycle that is masculine, that is a 24 hour cycle without regard to the way that our energy fluctuates, our hormones naturally ebb and flow throughout four weeks, not just one day, but also through one day, which can get totally out of whack when stress wreaks havoc on us. So there's so many ways in which when we can find that opportunity to check in, to see what helps us and nourishes us again, we can come back refueled and able to tackle these things, right? It's not like we can't keep working the way that we want to. We have to change that forever, but you might have to push pause for a minute and restore yourself and then see what actually works for you again, right? We can redefine this without giving up on it. Yeah. Oh man. I love that. And I love that you brought up the concept of cycles and the fact that women are inherently different from men and that we have been sold a false bill of goods. I often with my clients talk about like ancestral nutrition, ancestral principles, which sounds very similar to what you're getting at. What did your great, great, great grandma do? She didn't have an alarm clock. She didn't have blue light at night. She wasn't eating fake food that were hundred calorie packs and she was more resilient. She ate to live. Like she had to go work the farm and kill a chicken and raise six kids. So she knew she had to have the energy to do that. So I always say grandma wasn't out foraging for no kale salads. (laughs) (laughs) They're carving out time to go CrossFit at the gym. (laughs) Yeah. So we really are so out of sync with those natural cycles that women have just thrived on for millennia. The cycles of the sun and moon, like you said, day and night, the cycles of the moon itself, the lunar cycle that should mirror our menstrual cycle. If a woman doesn't know when she's ovulating, if a woman, her period is off track, 
I will teach my women to moon sync during that waning to waxing as the moon is like increasing, you know, that's very similar to our body's follicular phase. You can literally see that trend where the follicles ripening and then the accumulating event of your menstrual cycle is not actually your period, it's ovulation. So the moon is full, right? It's, it is completely full at the point of theoretical ovulation for a woman. And then as it wanes back into a new moon, that would be similar to the luteal phase as your body starts shutting off that endometrial lining and preparing for the menstrual cycle itself. So really when I see a super healthy period, it's almost on track with a lunar cycle, which is so interesting. It is. We're mostly water, right? And my mom was a labor and delivery nurse. And I always knew, and we knew as a family, if she was on call when the moon was full, she was going to be going in. <laughs> yes. <laughs> because it. we are water. It's not just woo spirituality that the moon has a really profound impact on us. We are still so deeply connected to nature. So it's beautiful to find a way to to track with that. So I'm, I love that's a way in which you're helping your clients get back in touch with themselves and connect to nature at the same time. That's beautiful. Yeah. And I love that the conversation now about, about honoring our cycles and energy is growing. So yes, me too. Me too. <laughs> And we were talking about sleep earlier. We mentioned it really briefly, but you're talking about the sun and moon cycles. And how is that something that you see affected by people, by women in perimenopause? And is that something that we can, is there hope for balancing that? Yeah. Yeah. There is. <laughs> Brought up this point in your late thirties, early forties, you're most likely at the pinnacle of your career, be that inside the home or outside the home, whatever you're doing, you're probably doing it really hard at that point in time. And again, just what the world tells us is that we need to push harder and go faster. And that's a natural thing with children and work. Things just speed up. You never talk to your girlfriend at this stage in life. And they're like, I'm so bored. Things are just slowing down. <laughs> I never hear that from my 35 to 45 year old friend right? It's always, things are crazy. It's happening so fast. And so pushing harder by staying up later, maybe getting up earlier, refusing, as you mentioned earlier, to take naps or rest, especially on days that are almost set aside for that, like Saturday or Sunday, when naturally, ancestrally, we would have slowed down just a little bit, refusing to honor that natural flow of time that's available for us for rest can again, put that endocrine system into overdrive and keep women stuck in the sympathetic side of their nervous system, that fight or flight side, instead of allowing that balance and that flow over to a natural kind of rebalancing of the parasympathetic nervous system. And truly we can only be parasympathetic dominant if we are rested. If our heart rate is below 75 beats per minute, if our heart rate variability is at a certain number, that's going to differ for most people, but where your heart rate variability is, is high and your body is resilient, where you can actually digest your food instead of feeling like you've got more tummy troubles and bloating and food sensitivities, where you can fall asleep instead of being that manic insomniac like I was for almost the better part of a year when my hormones were in disarray. So just that continual push to not allow yourself to fall into alignment with the patterns that are available for us on a 24 hour diurnal pattern, diurnal, just referring to sleep wake is going to intensify the symptoms of perimenopause and also encourage an early onset of perimenopause 
perimenopause itself. Ah, double whammy. (laughs) Huge bummer. And again, we don't need to invite this earlier than necessary, right? Mm -hmm. Because the natural flow and cycles of our hormones are ideal, optimal. We want to sustain that as long as possible. Not that menopause is something to be afraid of, and we don't want to artificially delay it, I think. But we also don't want to be inviting that earlier and younger in our lives when we are still so engaged and busy and committed it's hard, again, as we've been saying, you're at the full effect of your career, whatever you're creating. So it's hard to slow down in order to take care of your body at this phase. Yeah. And women at this time, they still, they're young and vibrant, 35 to 45, 50 years old. Like we are young and also pushing into perimenopause with that declining progesterone, that fluctuating estrogen. We start to see effects on mood, more irritability, more depression, more anxiety. We start to see effects on libido tanked, right? I have so many women who just tell me I haven't had a libido in five years. So when you are at this pinnacle of vibrancy in your life and you don't have a libido and you're irritable all the time, it's really hard to enjoy the fruits of your labor, what you've worked so hard to create over the past few decades. And we really should be able to cultivate joy and contentment at this point in our lives, instead of just a feeling of never being able to catch up. I can relate to that. I think a lot of people can relate to that. (laughs) (laughs) And you mentioned too, and I really want this to land with our listeners, our hormones have not everything as if nothing else has to do with our emotions, but our hormones are essential to our emotions Mm -hmm. and seeing more depression, more anxiety. When we're looking around and we're wondering, is it me? Am I losing my mind? Why can't I handle what I used to be able to handle? Like it isn't just you. There's a real biological reason that these emotions are just have gone chaotic. And so is that something, do you feel like that's what many people come to you? That's their primary complaint? Or do you see that as you're unraveling things, that's an unexpected benefit to coming back into balance? It's more the latter. It's something I'll screen for on my intake forms. And oftentimes women don't even realize that their emotions have been slowly deteriorating over the past decade or so. They're usually coming with insomnia or unexplained weight gain or fatigue issues, digestive disturbances, thyroid issues, more so that. And then we start diving in and we realize, oh man, there's a lot more dysfunction going on than we even realize because the body is just in such a state of read. You've heard Reed Davis say metabolic chaos. That's a term that he coined. And it's true, like your metabolism just starts going crazy in all we like macro metabolism with weight and micro metabolism with energy and like endocrine system just starts going crazy because it can't handle the amount of stress that it's under again. So Yes, I will see all sorts of things that women will come to me with, but mood tends to be a secondary uncovering, peeling back that onion and realizing, gosh, I have really been short with my kids lately. I I do want to divorce my husband, but only one week out of every month, and then he's (laughs) the rest of the weeks of the month. But as we not only rebalance hormones themselves, but work on the pillars of nourishment, like eating enough food, eating enough protein and fat and carbohydrates and sleeping enough and doing these things that aren't really sexy and don't cost a lot of money, but are so foundational before you can move on to the next step. Mood starts to be one of those things that quickly comes back into balance. And it's really there that women get to, again, recultivate that joy that they so deeply desire. Yes. Beautiful. And I love that kind of hope that you can provide that it can be, you know, simple is not always easy, but simple, straightforward. It comes down to the foundation, which might not be sexy. Maybe we can get there. Maybe (laughs) we can make this sexy for people if we keep on sharing the word. It can be this simple. (laughs) Yes. 
And you, so you were talking about the different kinds of metabolic chaos and the ways our metabolism shifts. And I know that the most front of mind metabolism that most women are thinking of at this point is, you know, where our weight is going. And and I've heard so many people say, the doctor says, you're at that age, you're just going to carry some extra weight. It's like, they're ready to throw in the towel and we're not. <laughs> Yeah, we're women. We still, we're beautiful. Like we are created beautifully and we thrive when we feel well. We thrive when we feel needed and sexy. It's just true. Like no one wants to say that, but it's true. So that is one of the main complaints that women will come with, be it spoken or unspoken. Oftentimes I'll get intake paperwork and women are like, I'm not sleeping through the night, but I want to lose 10 pounds. My hormones are a disaster, but I need to lose eight pounds. And that's like their almost underlying driving motivation because it's it's a source of frustration for so many women. And perimenopause itself is those 15 years are characterized by a five to 11 pound weight gain on average for American women. And this is without changing anything with their diet or exercise pattern. So that's the bummer. And that's what I'll hear from so many women. Like I'm still exercising five times a week. I'm still eating 1900 calories a day or 14, whatever you're eating. I haven't changed anything, but all of a sudden my belly is like pooching over my jeans and I'm up a dress size. What's up with that? And I do have a little bit of insight there. So just as so many of these symptoms have compounded and really shown themselves at this time of perimenopause, weight is very similar. So things that you could have done for years, specifically eat a very low calorie diet or a very kind of standard American diet where it's lower in protein and higher in processed foods or lower in protein and lower in calories for my low calorie dieters, maybe lower fat, whatever it is, our bodies just don't have that inherent nourishment that they have needed for decades. And so once again, it catches up with us. We become deficient in potassium and truly a potassium rich diet. The RDA for potassium is 4,700 milligrams of potassium a day. I'm a stickler about micronutrient tracking with my clients, not macronutrients like protein, fat, carbs, and then calories, but micronutrients. Are you getting your minerals and vitamins? And when I have my clients track there, most of my women are getting half a third of our RDA of potassium an amazing research by engineer Marty Kendall out of New Zealand. He's just got a great page called Optimizing Nutrition. And he has shown through data with tens of thousands of subjects that a diet that is higher in potassium can cut actually really 4,700 milligrams or more, the RDA or more, can actually cut the amount of calories that one consumes by 43%. True statistic, look it up, Marty Kendall. That's insane. So if you ladies can eat 4,700 milligrams of potassium a day, which you can find in fruits and vegetables, lean protein, you theoretically could cut the amount of calories that you're eating by almost half. So really working on not again, not carbs and fat, but really working on optimizing your micronutrients and your minerals can be a powerful ally for you during this time of unexplained weight gain. It's not that you're getting fat. It's that you are, have been malnourished for so long. It's finally starting to catch up with you. Exactly, exactly. And I've talked before about how, you know, cravings are our bodies like inefficient vocabulary for it needs something, right? Sometimes we have cravings because we're dehydrated. A lot of times cravings are driven by stress because we crave sugar because sugar is easy, fast fuel, which is the last thing we actually need when we're living a stressed out lifestyle. But again, we're craving food because our body is desperate for these nutrients like potassium, which is something I've tuned into as I'm trying to improve my heart health. <laughs> 
And right, it affects so many. It's funny how these really important things (laughs) can have a broad reach of support where we need it when we need it. And right. So just getting curious about it, if you're eating the same way, or if suddenly your appetite has changed. But I think too, and I've heard from clients in response, I'm gaining weight, so I'm exercising harder, but now I'm gaining more weight, like exercise doesn't help me anymore. But again, they're kicking themselves so high in distress that their body's just on alert. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we call that whipping the adrenals. So that's again, why I love functional lab work, because using something like the Dutch test, which I've probably run almost 800 Dutch tests on clients, I love this test and it looks at a full suite of hormones, estrogen, testosterone, progesterone, stress hormones like cortisol and adrenaline, though, are two of the main things I'm looking at in women who are maybe over exercising or have this really weight loss resistant body. When we look at stress hormones, if they're very elevated, like I see most of the time in my women, or if they're being underproduced, you've pushed that gas pedal down on your metaphorical car that is your body. And now you've just run out of fuel, right? So our stress hormones start to really decline. And that just shows up as extreme exhaustion, maybe insomnia, panic attacks for women, but pushing a body that has either inefficient cortisol production or an overproduction of cortisol is going to backfire on you. Every time you will gain weight if your cortisol levels are off. So that is one of the first things I look at with my women who are struggling to lose weight. The Dutch test also shows us if you're metabolizing your estrogen efficiently, if you're not, if you're not pushing that estrogen out of your body, which I see that all the time too, it's going to be really hard for you to lose weight because your body's storing up those hormones in your fat tissue, having a really hard time getting rid of it. So a couple of things that that we look at, but honestly, working out harder in perimenopause is one of the worst things you can do. We usually encourage our women to transition over from something like CrossFit or Orange Theory to just some simple strength training to continue to build bone density and also keep lean muscle. This is the other bummer, ladies. If you're doing a lot of running, if you're doing a lot of chronic cardiovascular exercise, and you weren't eating enough, and you're under a lot of stress, the body starts catabolizing or eating its own muscle. So now you're feeling flabbier because you are flabbier. You have less muscle, therefore you burn less calories, therefore you put on more weight. So I really never recommend cardiovascular exercise to an extensive degree for my perimenopausal women. It's like, I I ride my bike around my neighborhood three times a week for 30 minutes and I walk 10,000 steps a day. That is my cardio at this point. I lift heavy three times a week and I feel stronger and fitter than I have since I was 18 years old. So it really can be a powerful tool in your toolbox to shift your mindset in perimenopause and really, like I said, start feeling better than you have. Well, and and like we were saying earlier, when we think about how our great, great grandmothers thrived, it was because they weren't glued to a desk and a computer all day and they were up, they were moving around, they were working in the garden, they were moving about the house. Consistent movement throughout the day is what our bodies were designed to support, not powering out or pushing ourselves to the max at the gym three days, five days, seven days a week thinking, I'm going to come out of this stronger and just like limp on the floor at the end of that (laughs) workout. (laughs) That is so true. It truly is unnatural. You know what so many women are doing with their bodies as opposed to what the body is designed to do. I love the work of Mark Sisson and he recommends lifting heavy things and moving slowly at long distances. Just those two kind of functional fitness interventions for women can be very powerful because, man, I want to be able, like, I, I want all of my four kids to have at least four kids. I want 16 grandkids. 
I want to be able to lift those grandkids and roller skate with them and play hopscotch. There are so many things to look forward to in life and seeing a woman whose body is starting to deteriorate because she's pushed it so hard for so long and then just has to give up because, you know, the gas tank is empty is so frustrating for me to see. And I love getting to work with women like that to rebuild that resilience and rebuild that functional fitness so that they can feel really good through perimenopause and beyond. Beautiful. And I think we all can, I think we can restore hope in that vision. Like it's not a pipe dream. It's not for some people, not us. (laughs) We can start small and with educated insights and a plan, we can feel better now than we did 10 years, 20 years ago when we were pushing ourselves to the max, shorting ourselves a little bit on sleep, eating the convenience foods, because we've been able to get away with it until now. (laughs) (laughs) I would love to go back a bit because hormone replacement therapy is coming back into awareness. I know it's something that a lot of our mothers were on. And then for a long time, it was big taboo. Don't go there. It's no good. And now it's coming back. And so can you give us a little bit of insight as to what you're seeing in terms of bioidentical hormone therapy, birth control, and that format that we've already referred to, hormone replacement? And do you see any places we should be cautious or have more hope than perhaps we have in even recent kind of awareness? Oh, fun question. Yeah. So in my experience, birth control is the new Premarin, right? So we know that in the eighties and nineties, the synthetic horse urine, basically that they were making estrogen out of and giving women estrogen replacement therapy ended up to be a really bad idea, started causing cardiovascular events and really early death for women and provided none of the protective benefits that your body's own estrogen actually affords. And that was quickly swept under the rug. Women are no longer taking Premarin, but it's wonderful. The only bummer is birth control. Synthetic birth control has really replaced that. So I have so many clients who will come to me and they're in their forties and fifties, and they've been on birth control since they were in their twenties because their doctor, their OBGYN Mm -hmm. at this point in life says it'll balance out those weird periods you get, which is just perimenopause ladies. It'll balance out those mood swings that you get, which is perimenopause, right? So we know that we have natural ways to make you feel better and not just manage those symptoms that birth control will give you. But that's really the trend that we've seen over the last 10 to 15 years is replacing Premarin with birth control, essentially. So not a good switch for many reasons. Again, it's because birth control shuts down progesterone production. We want that protective progesterone as long as possible. Now on the alternative and the natural care side of things like more savvy practitioners and traditional medical doctors, I'm not a doctor, so I can't diagnose, treat or prescribe, but a doctor in the know is prescribing bioidentical hormones. The work of John Lee, Dr. John Lee was pioneering sort of a work done here with progesterone therapy and then also estrogen therapy. And there are some great doctors, Dr. Uzi Rice out there recommending the benefits of bioidentical estrogen itself, estradiol, which are again, protect for the heart and for the brain. Estrogen protects both the heart and the brain. And is also given with the sister of progesterone. So again, a doctor who is well-informed rarely will give estrogen itself without the protective sister of progesterone. I would encourage you ladies to go to a functional medicine doctor. If that is something that you feel like you, you need to do, if you're going to go on estrogen, your estrogen levels are low, always make sure that it's compounded with oral micronized progesterone progesterone or progesterone compounded cream, because it really is progesterone that protects against the harmful effects of too much estrogen. 
And remember, it's not just the estrogen that your body's making or that you're taking. There are also so many estrogens out there, xenoestrogens, which are environmental estrogens that we can get through plastics and personal care products. And I live in the fertile Central Valley of California, where we are just inundated with pesticides as our xenoestrogens as well. We have those synthetic estrogens, and we also have phytoestrogens from things like soy, not necessarily a bad thing, but you know, we are getting exposed to food estrogens as well as environmental estrogens regularly. So if I've got women who are using a lot of like over-the-counter personal care products that aren't necessarily organic or thoughtfully made and they're on birth control, like I dollars to donuts, that woman is going to have some PMS from hell. She's going to have clotting, huge clots in her period or menstrual cycles are going to be all over the place. She's going to want to kill her husband four days out of the month. Like I know that those estrogens, those toxic estrogens are building up in the system and making things worse. All that to say is a well-informed patient would be, it would behoove her to seek out a doctor who deals in bioidentical progesterone and bioidentical estrogen. A great resource for that is actually, this is hilarious. Maybe your some of your listeners know about Suzanne Summer. She's a great force for good when it comes to bioidentical hormone replacement. So her website has a list of doctors across the United States and beyond that deal with bioidentical identical hormone replacement therapy can also work with someone like me who is an FDN. We don't need synthetic or bioidentical hormones necessarily. There are so many things that women can and probably should do to make that transition a little bit more naturally because third world countries and women for centuries don't go on bioidentical estrogen and perimenopause and menopause. They make that transition very smoothly and naturally. And American women also have that birthright and can do so as well. Beautiful. Beautiful. Thank you for that. I think, and what a great resource. I love that. Suzanne Summers. I think after her experience with breast cancer, I believe she really did take that opportunity to become a spokesperson and stay towards the front edge of what's now available in health. And so I love that resource. We'll include these links in the show notes. And you mentioned earlier, essential fatty acids and amino acids, like getting the proteins that we need. We need the building blocks so that our body can create the hormones and what it needs. Are there any other, obviously fine tuning happens when you see what one person really needs to be having and to be fully supported. But in general, do you have some guidelines that can help people start feeling better to be eating the kind of balanced nutrition that's going to help them feel more hormonally balanced? Yeah. I just love that question. Cause yeah, there's the theory of balancing your macronutrients, but then there's what do I eat for breakfast? <laughs> so I usually tell my women, I would love to see you start eating 100 grams of animal protein every day. And for a lot of women, they're coming to me eating 40, maybe 50 grams of protein a day. No wonder they feel so cruddy, like their body's malnourished. And so working toward that hundred gram mark is almost like the magic switch for a lot of women feeling better energetically. And from a mood standpoint, and I always tell people like, get what you are comfortable with. Like, obviously the gold standard is going to be organic pastured eggs and wild Atlantic salmon and really thoughtfully raised beef. But I have four kids and sometimes I buy my tri-tip from Walmart. I do because it's more important for my family to get that protein than it is for me to spend $400 on one dinner. So do what you can and don't feel bad about the things you can't do, but getting that animal protein is really helpful. Inexpensive animal protein sources I actually eat a can of oysters from Amazon <laughs> a couple of times a week. I live in the country and my sister lives down the street. My nephew brings me eggs from his chickens, but you can get eggs from the grocery store. Obviously it's a great source of choline. It's a great source of vitamin A, D, E, and 
K, great source of both fat and protein. It's very, it's a very balanced food, the egg. Maybe you're not a big fan of meat, start with egg or some really good, high quality, full fat dairy and see how you do. But really getting that protein, dialing in that protein is step one. All right. Step two for women is balancing out what works for you. And this is when you might want to work with a practitioner, but what works for you on the fat and the carbohydrates. It's important for women in perimenopause to be aware of rounding out the diet. So if you are a woman who's fallen either the keto camp or the paleo camp, and you think I can eat all the carbohydrates as I want, as long as I'm eating protein, or you know, all the fat I want, as long as I'm eating enough protein in perimenopause, you can't really do that. And you certainly can't be eating a large amount of carbohydrates, like 300 grams plus a large amount of fat, like a hundred grams plus you will get chubby. All right. You just will. So really working with someone who knows how to balance macronutrients and shifting that fat and carbohydrate balance to help you achieve the body composition that you want is going to be a powerful intervention, but prioritizing protein is going to be first. Beautiful and straightforward. I love that we're finally getting back to, and I think it's coming more into broad awareness that it's not the fad diets. It's not the keto or the paleo. It's really simple things we've known for years. Again, it's not sexy because it's not a new and exciting diet, but clean, responsibly sourced proteins, right? Mm -hmm. Clean food, whole foods, cut the processed foods out and let your body get some clean building blocks so that it can be doing what it needs to do. Yes. And that is a visual I like to give my clients. They laugh a lot, but I just, I tell them like 400 years ago, picture a woman in your family. If she was going out to get something to eat, what would she be going out to eat or to procure? And that kind of takes away a lot of these packaged and convenience foods. It takes away a lot of even things like alcohol, which is a touchy subject for women or sugar, or like I said before, kale salads, right? Not that there's anything wrong with kale or salads, but you have to think about the food that is most calorically and nutritionally expedient for your body because in perimenopause, it becomes more important than ever to nourish yourself well. So that's my objective with teaching my women. That's what I would have for you listeners today is, is this going to help me get closer to my goals or is it going to pull me further away from my goals? Beautiful. Is this going to nourish me? We deserve to be nourished ladies. No more deprivation. (laughs) (laughs) Beautiful. And as I said, I'll have links in the show notes, but tell our listeners who aren't right in front of words right now, how they can get in touch with you if they'd like to learn more. Yes, absolutely. So of course, for the FDN side, we are at functionaldiagnosticnutrition.com. If you love my story and how you can get a hold of functional lab work and become your own practitioner, seek us out at functionaldiagnosticnutrition.com. For me and my own practice, I'm at jenniferwoodwardnutrition.com. And I have been an FDN for the better part of a decade. Like I said, love perimenopause and women's hormones. I would love to visit you over there. I'm on Instagram and Facebook as well. Beautiful. And we've got some terrific resources on your website. So lots of information for people who want to dive a little more deeply or learn how they can work with Jennifer. And before we go, I love to hear what different people offer when I ask, what is your go-to when you're feeling stressed, when you need to hit reset? What is something that nourishes you? Yes. An Epsom salt bath with lavender essential oil, along with my Asian Zen Pandora radio station. So those two things that radio station never fails to completely calm me down. But plus that Epsom salt bath, oh, it just literally melts everything away. 
Beautiful. Yeah. I'd say, especially for my bodywork clients, the Epsom salt bath is like my number one recommendation. It's great to consume magnesium, but it really gets directly to the muscles when we can soak in it and just carving out that time, create your own Zen space with your playlist. And music is definitely my second love. I like to have a dance list. I like to have a calm down list. Yeah, absolutely. You got to have some music to go to. So that's great. Japanese Zen music on Pandora, Spotify, whatever you listen to. And you can take that with you. Yes, yes, you absolutely can. So that would, of course, be my recommendation, but only if you've gotten your 100 grams of protein for the day. Okay, ladies. (laughs) (laughs) Not to supersede the foundation of good nutrition. (laughs) Beautiful. Thank you so much, Jennifer. I really appreciate it. We've covered a lot in this episode. I really appreciate your being available and sharing your own personal experience and wisdom in this area because I know for my own personal benefit and many women in this phase and stage, like we've got more to look forward to, right. Than to worry about in this. So now we can put the fears behind us and enjoy this stage. Fantastic. I've loved every second of sitting here with you, Susie. So thank you so much for having me and thanks for listening ladies. Fabulous. Thank you so much. Take good care. Thanks for joining us today. To learn more about living life with less stress and more flow, visit happifiedlife.com. Subscribe on your favorite player to catch the next episode as soon as it's out. Sharing really is caring, so please rate and review the show while you're there. And if you know someone else who would love it, please pass it along. Until next time, my friends, keep on shining.